Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, every professional sports league goes through a period where they struggle. For the NFL, it was the 1980s. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. NFL historians, this isn't for you. This is for those who don't know as much. So we are here to enlighten. But please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always here to learn. Papers and squeaky chair, we're ready. It's the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. The Belly Up Sports podcast network, bellyupsports.com. You can catch this show as well as others on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those major podcasting platforms. References, let's knock them out. How the NFL took over America in 100 years. Article by Anthony Lazilia and Jeremy Willis, 2019. LATimes.com, an article by Gene Wojciechowski. Also, Philadelphia news writer Ray Dinger. We had an article through him by way of the Orlando Sentinel on OrlandoSentinel.com. Also, uh, Britannica.com, excuse me. Baseball Almanac, MercuryNews.com, an article by Jerry McDonald. RepublicWorld.com, Devika Paywar. SportsShow.net, also Encyclopedia.com, OddShark.com and sportsmediawatch.com. So, let's recap from last week. We talked about the differences in the action as well as the seasons of professional sports. The NFL, the NHL, the NBA, MLB. And in the end, we said what? It's about keeping a fan's attention during the season and the postseason. We also talked about the birth of the Super Bowl and Monday Night Football after the AFL-NFL merger. And most important, 
just how football is much more easier on the eyes. It's eye candy. It is. So this week, we continue this journey about the popularity, the growth of pro football, how it got to where it is today. But we're coming from a different angle. Every league rides the struggle bus at some point. What is that? When you watch a movie, for instance, there's always that point where the hero is either done wrong or does something stupid. But by the end of the movie, they make a comeback either by showing that they are sorry or by overcoming the odds. That being said, every sports league goes through a struggle. Now, sports in the 1980s, Major League Baseball, the NBA, where were they? Well, Major League Baseball, they did continue to dominate in the 1970s, even though numbers show by 1978 that there were more Americans that wanted to watch pro football than baseball. Of course, when it came down to ratings, which we'll get into again by the end of the show, the ratings for Major League Baseball were off the charts. So that showed that people were still watching America's pastime. But it did remain viable going from the 70s into the 80s. But by the end of the 80s, well, let's just say it didn't end well. The NBA, by the way, in 1979, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, they entered the league with a NCAA National Championship story behind them that basically carried over into the NBA. Of course, it helps that both players were drafted by perhaps the NBA's greatest rivalry. And I still am trying to figure this one out. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics. Red Arbach, how did you pull that off? Still trying to figure out that rule that doesn't exist anymore. But that, plus the fact that the NBA stopped broadcasting the finals via tape delay, did help revitalize the league. Oh, and of course, there was that dude named Michael Jordan that came in 1985 too. All right. Well, the NFL, where were they? In the 1980s, when I think of the NFL, I think about the San Francisco 49ers dynasty. Lawrence Taylor, the 85 Bears, the 1983 NFL Draft, and all those quarterbacks that were selected, all those great players that were selected that year, and some of the biggest blowouts in Super Bowl history. The popularity of the league was growing, and so was the money. But I guess you can say that at this point, that the NFL was kind of starting to feel themselves, right? They were smelling themselves by then. And contrary to popular belief, those out there wasn't always about the love of the game. People want to get paid. Everybody likes money. I like money. Don't you like money? I know you do. You don't just work, go to work just to go to work. And there's plenty of y'all that don't like your jobs. You don't have any love for your jobs, but they pay you so you show up. But they also like benefits. I did come upon an article by one Ray Denninger of the Philadelphia Daily News and it was dated back December 21st, 1989. Of all the good things that were happening in the NFL, there was much more that put a stain on the image of the league by the end of the 1980s. And I quote from this article. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty was coming to an end. They were in their final Super Bowl. That was Super Bowl 14. That was actually played in January of 1980 when they beat the Rams. 
I quote from that article. In January 1980, Pete Rozelle, the commission, stood before the assembled media at Super Bowl XIV and predicted, quote, this will be the NFL's greatest decade, end quote. <sighs> On contraire, mon frere, it was anything but. I never had my kid watch any of these things that I watch on the NFL or sports. I've never had any of my kids ask me, Dad, what's a strike? Well, if you know any of my kids at the time when they were little had asked me that, I would just simply said, well, a strike is when the workers don't agree with the way they're being treated financially or when it comes to benefits. And so, Johnny, they decide they're going to stop coming to work. They'll attach boards to a piece of wood and they'll write things on there that said, I want more money. I want better health care. And they will stand on the outside of the fences of their job until things change. That's pretty much, pretty much it in a nutshell, right? You're not getting paid the way you want to get paid. You're not getting the benefits that you want and along with some other things. So you said, I'm not working. The owners aren't necessarily making any money and neither are you because they're not gonna pay you for standing outside the fence, right? Well, the San Francisco 49ers defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in Super Bowl 16 in January of 82. And that Super Bowl, by the way, is still the highest rated ever. The NFL, after that, then signed a five-year contract with three networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC. The three major ones, right? That meant more money for the league. And the players wanted a bigger piece of that. 55% to be exact in revenue sharing, but the owners weren't having it. So, what, two games into the 1982 season? Strike. Now, I did come upon another article written by one Gene Wojciechowski. Now, the strike began after a Monday night football game against the New York Giants and Cincinnati Bengals, I believe it was. And it basically lasted 57 days. And the NFL lost seven weeks of football. Let me make sure I got that game right. It was actually the Giants in Green Bay, excuse me, not the Bengals. Now, again, it lasted 57 days, and the NFL lost seven weeks of football. And here's the crazy part. Now, this actually isn't the first time the NFL had a strike. In 68, they had a strike lockout that lasted 12 days before the season started. In 1970, same thing, only a couple of days. Uh, in July, in 74, it lasted two months before the 74 season started. But this one actually was during the season. The owners lost a lot of money. The players lost a lot of money. There were no winners. Now, I already know that I'm going to go in depth about the strikes and some of the some of the negative things that have happened in the league in the future um, because I want to put more information in your ears as to what happened in these 82. Uh, in the 82 strike and the other one we'll talk about later on but they played a total of nine games in that schedule and going into the NFL playoffs it was set up tournament style once they finally said okay look we'll talk about this at another date and we'll just go ahead and, and start playing again and 
much like the NFL, the NBA, excuse me, playoffs was set up this year. They played a tournament style playoffs, which the Washington football team won Super Bowl 17, as a matter of fact, in Pasadena. This was not a really good thing for the NFL because now, again, they're making more money than they ever have. But like I said, they're kind of starting to smell themselves. What does that mean for those who don't know that? They're feeling themselves. Their heads are starting to swell up a little bit. Somebody opened up a window. And there are others that it affected as well. But coming up next, Al Davis versus the NFL and yet another league that came to challenge the NFL. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So 1966, the year of the first Super Bowl, the NFL and AFL agreed to a merger and there were two men that were responsible, the commissioners of both the NFL and the AFL. That would be Pete Rosella of the NFL and then AFL commissioner Al Davis. Yes, before he was the owner of the Raiders, he for a short stint was the commissioner of the AFL. These two guys were not the best of friends. They weren't. There was a public fight in the early 80s between Pete Rosell and Al Davis. Why were they fighting? Well, Al Davis wanted to move his team after 12 years from the Oakland from Oakland to Los Angeles. In 1980 he had signed a deal basically because I think his lease was up and he wanted to move his team to a bigger, better city. That move was blocked by Roselle. Davis, in turn, says, I'm suing you. I'm suing the NFL. And he did just that. How about Davis won that suit? And yes, he did move his team. And the court had ruled that the NFL had violated antitrust laws. And the crazy part is, in 1980, when he wanted to move his team in the first place, they would win the Super Bowl that following January in 81. The first wild card team. Yeah, I've said that a lot. The first wild card team to win the Super Bowl, the Oakland Raiders. They won Super Bowl 15. And then a couple of years later, after they would finalize and finally become the Los Angeles Raiders, they won the Super Bowl again. The, the 83 Raiders won in January of 84. Roselle did not want, because of these kind of moves, this move, he did not want to open a Pandora's box, which was basically, he didn't want a team to keep picking up and moving from another city. He didn't want one team to do it and then everybody else is going to follow. Y'all know how that goes. And that's exactly what would happen, right? He was definitely a prophet. Five teams, and this is me quoting 
from MercuryNews.com. Jerry McDonald wrote, once the Raiders initially left the Bay Area, the New York Jets moved to New Jersey, the Baltimore Colts moved to Indianapolis, and that was a really sneaky move, by the way. Mayflower, the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore, the St. Louis Cardinals moved to Arizona, and the Houston Oilers to Tennessee. Now, the great thing about all of this is actually, in the end, Davis is actually given credit through this move from Oakland to Los Angeles for paving the way for more state-of-the-art stadiums that have been built today. Raiders fans, why did they finally move away from Oakland a second time to go to Las Vegas? Why? Build us a stadium. Please, city, build us a stadium. They wouldn't do it. The stuff is held together by Band-Aids. Look at what they have now. It's a spaceship in the middle of Las Vegas. And, and, and that, was, that was a great move, and it did. Basically, it helped the NFL become the billion-dollar league that it has become. You got to have a place, a great place for your fans to sit, don't you? You want to have a nice house, or do you want to bring them to a shack? Hmm. Well, over the years, there have been several leagues that have challenged the NFL. We've talked about, if you listen to any of the earlier shows back in the 20s when Red Grange was around, he tried to start his own football league, lasted a year. There have been plenty of them that have come and they have died, basically lasting a year. You had three versions of the AFL, American Football League. From 1926, one year. Red Grange, they're out of there. 1936, only lasted a year. 1940 only lasted a year. Then you had the AAFC, the All-American Football Conference, that lasted from 46 to 49. Of course, you got the Cleveland Browns out of the deal. And, of course, you had, in 1960, the AFL, which would not go away because they got a good TV deal and then signed a second really good TV deal. And the NFL said, well, they got those TV deals, and that was a key for the AFL being viable in the professional football world. Keep that in mind, TV deals. In 1982, the year of the strike, the USFL was born. They started playing in 1983. If anybody um, has watched the 30 for 30 on the USFL, I mean, just go watch it. It was really good stuff. And if you think about the players that were in there, there are plenty of names, not even just players, just plenty of names. Jim Kelly, Reggie White, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Marv Levy, Bill Polian, Sid Gilman. You got some Hall of Famers in there that were in that league. There was an 18-game schedule. They played from February to June, I believe it was. But their mistake came in 1986. All they had to do was stay where they were, right? They couldn't do it. So, well, we need to. They got greedy. They got greedy. So they tried to move their schedule to the fall. That's NFL season, man. Now, Athlon Sports had a nice little, uh, let's just call it a summary of what happened with the USFL, which is yet another great topic we can broach, uh, we can talk about. But because basically the USFL did not have the cabbage to compete, and I quote, they basically sued the NFL for $1.7 billion. Why? Because they had a monopoly on the TV broadcasting. They couldn't get a great TV deal. Yes, it was on television, but 
in the fall. What did I say happened in 1982 after Joe Montana and the 49ers won the Super Bowl? They basically sold up all of the major television networks. So there was no room for them. So look, you got a monopoly. And after a 42 day trial, a six person jury said, you have a monopoly NFL. So the USFL won. But the problem is legal fees. <laughs> I think the, the, the award was 5.5 million or $6 million. And in the end, they got a grand total of a dollar. Oh, but that's okay. They said, well, we're going to triple that interest. In total, they got $3.76. $3.76. Cue the laughter. $3.76. Oh, I could have just gave it to you out of my pocket. The league folded like a cheap tent. No more USFL. By the way, as far as Al Davis is concerned, he actually sided with the USFL in that suit against the NFL. That's crazy. <laughs> but coming up next, so the next year, the NFL and its players, they ended back up in it again. Look, ratings matter. And also, raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie The Replacements. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner okay so if you are a football fan or maybe even a sports fan you have seen the movie the replacements it's got to be one of the sports movies on that list in the pantheon of sports movies i'm not going to say it was terrible it was watchable i liked it me personally, I liked it. Uh, terrible uniforms, by the way. Keanu Reeves, he's playing the quarterback. Shane Falco, the former, what, Ohio State quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Gene Hackman, he's basically the, the head coach with a terrible hat. He's like a, uh, imagine if Tom Landry and Vince Lombardi had a baby. Very bad hat. Uh, you know, maybe that's not that great. But the movie was based on the Washington football team, all due respect, in 1987 that won the Super Bowl. So, yes, again, the NFL ended up in another strike season. Not as long, but they struck again. Why? According to Deadspin, quote, the players wanted the right to free agency in addition to better pension benefits, severance, and peep this, and the elimination of artificial turf. That stuff was terrible. I played on artificial turf once. Um, if anyone remembers in here in Nashville playing at Vanderbilt at their stadium we played a team called Trinity uh, Trinity up in Kentucky and they had like four football teams worth of players on their squad I still remember that it was like a preseason um, little tune-up game that we would play during the season I mean uh, before the season began 
And I remember diving for a pass. And uh, my whole arm, I think the skin on my entire right arm almost came off. I remember after the game, kneeling on that artificial turf. turf and when I got up, my knee burned like someone just took a, a cigarette lighter and just held it on my knee. That was the worst stuff ever. I don't know how people played on that. I do not know. I really do not know. I would never want to hit the ground on artificial turf. If, I mean, along with ending careers like Michael Irvin's because of the neck injury he sustained and playing on that terrible, okay, Philadelphia Eagles fans, I'm sorry, but your, your stadium was terrible. Vets, the vet was terrible. Anyway, again, with all of these demands that the players had, the owners weren't having it. After week two, strike. But this time it only lasted three weeks. But here's the black eye the NFL got. Yes, they played with replacement players. Most of the teams, except for two, played replacement players, just like on the movie. For those three weeks, you had fill-ins. And these players, they came, you think that Kurt Warner was a story. That's the reason why I want to do a show just on like the 87 season alone. These guys were coming from bars. They were former college football players. They were coming from, they were firemen. There was one that I read, he was on furlough. They picked him up from the prison. A prison. How do you, okay. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back into that. that. That right there by itself made me want to look at more. But these players, they were called scabs. And all I could think of were the buses that these guys were on. And the NFL players, that were picketing and they you know the 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 vial that they put out whether it was through the media or live and in person this stuff is on film the way that these players were treated they were treated like dogs and that's not that was not a good look for the league and I understand what the players were wanting and the owners were not willing to give them give it to them and i and going back to the 82 strike there was a player that basically, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He talked about them not being able to see what the owners were making, their books. And for the first time in 82, they saw what they were making. It's like, dude, y'all are really cheap. Y'all are y'all are not paying us the way that you should pay us. Those numbers, are, I don't think they were out like they are now. And even now, I think there's still more money <laughs> to be made that's probably not being made but look greed is the root of all evil okay it just is um but the picket lines the the the, the violence and and the, the the way that they the players were treated that's what gave the league the black eye i read where it basically was said that this was the darkest period for the nfl and i don't know if everybody would agree there were other things that's happened but this as a whole as a league did not look good and it did threaten the popularity of the league. But you did have, as far as picking lines were concerned, some NFL players that actually crossed. You might know some of these names. Mark Gaston of the Jets. Joe Montana of the 49ers. Randy White, the defensive tackle for those Dallas Cowboys. Just to name a few. And of course, in the end, the players went back. And yet again, both sides lost a lot of money as well as time. There were only two teams to not have NFL players cross the picket line. And that was the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, those Super Bowl champion, the Washington football team. Hmm, go figure. 
So as we get ready to wrap this thing up, I think what I need to do is I'm going to have to explain ratings. Again, just like I've said in previous in a previous show, you have to know who's watching and when they're watching. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're putting a bow on this thing, and it's time for the sheets. And before I go to the sheets, I have to explain what ratings are. And according to the Associated Press, it defines a rating as basically a percentage of TVs in the United States that are watching a broadcast. That's what it is. Of course, you get into shares and stuff like that um, as well. And shares are the percentage watching a program among those households with televisions on at that time. So we talked about the comparisons between the World Series and the NBA Finals. I'm going to bring that into the fold. But we've talked about the Super Bowl in the World Series. Well, in the 1970s, well, you know what? I'm going to start in the 1980s. In the 1980s, the World Series, they averaged, as far as a rating, of 25 and 34 million viewers. Compare that to the Super Bowl in the 1980s. They had an average rating of 45 and 81 million viewers that's sick that is sick but here's the other crazy part that you go into the 1980s and the end of the 70s as far as major league baseball is concerned well their most viewed world series were in the 70s and they were like almost like right in a row the 78 world series all right let me say this the top rated World Series games of all time. They were from 1977 to 1982. And let me jump over to the NBA Finals. For context, the highest rated and most watched NBA Final Series was the last Jordan game. The 98 NBA Finals between the Bulls and the, and the Jazz. The last, Jordan, the last Jordan Series and the last Jordan game. They averaged, and it was just different, they averaged an 18.7 rating and 29 million viewers on NBC and like I said it featured the highest rated most watched NBA Finals game and that was a 22 rating and a 38 share that was in 1998 now before that the highest rated was in the eight, the 1987 NBA Finals Lakers Celtics that was on CBS a 15 rating and 24 million viewers and game 7 of the 88 Finals was before Jordan's final game as a bull was the most uh, watched and the highest rated. Now, when you look at the 1980s as far as the World Series is concerned, like I said, those were the highest rated games for for the MLB, for, for Major League Baseball as far as the World Series is concerned. 
they were they were going i'm just gonna start around 78 79. i'm gonna read off those highest ones a 32 a 28 a 32 and a 30 and then we'll stop at 27 in 1982. as far as the viewers 44 million viewers that was the most ever 44.2 million then they went to 37 42 41 and 38 million viewers keep that in mind you see these ratings are in the 30s right the, the 30s and the high 20s that was the world series compare that to the nfl as far as the super bowl now i'm gonna jump all the way down to 1982 the san francisco 49ers and cincinnati Bengals super bowl was the highest rated of all time it did a 49 for comparison and they had 85.2 million people that watched that game and it just went up i mean it didn't go up but it stayed around that number they did 48s 45s 48s 46 now it dipped in 1988 to a 41 and then back up to a 43 before rising back up to those normal 40s in the 90s baseball we'll just say they were hurting by the 90s um those ratings tell you all you need to know they're watching the biggest games and we already know as far as regular season games that they were watching now they're not watching every game but when you even get casual fans to watch that's even more not just fans that's why i think the postseason is key for any sport unless i'm guessing there's not a team in there that they like but if you love a sport overall it's going to be highly rated in the end what caused the nfl to really balloon in the 1980s money those tv deals did that job and they signed look every television network every major television network they had primetime games and the super bowl the game that matters the most was being watched by more people than any sport in the u.s of course march of 1989 by the way pete rosell he would resign after spending 30 years as the nfl's commissioner now part of the reason why he resigned was those constant battles with al davis it wasn't just those public things it was other things that were involved as well but no doubt when the man retired the nfl was far better than when he took over in 1960. They went from 13 teams to 28. An average attendance of 47,000 to over 65,000. So you have a league that survived not one, but two strikes, legal issues, and yet another league threatening to move in on their territory. Paul Tagliabue would take over heading into the 90s as the new commission. But what would the 90s hold for the NFL? But I guess you'll have to listen next week. And by the way, not every league can survive two strikes in a five-year period, let alone one. Look, thanks for listening to, the, to today's show. It is a Tuesday. It drops on Wednesday, 6 a.m. every Wednesday. The Behind the Mic podcast. Again, you can catch this show on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You better tell your kids as well as your wife and your grandmama and your granddaddy, your, your husband and your cousin, your uncles, or I will find your house. You better listen to my show. I'll find your house.
I'm out. <laughs>